You're listening to Movie Homework, brought to you by the Binge Media Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Jack and I'm joined today by my co-host Chad. What's going on, man? Hey, Jackie boy. Uh, so much better the second time. All right, so this week we <laughs> are covering a David Lynch movie. Um, Chad and I are David Lynch fans. Uh, we've had a few opportunities to talk about him on different shows over the years, um, but we kind of both honed in on this as a unique opportunity to talk about a, a Lynch flick that you know I'm not as familiar with as some of his others. And uh, we'll, we'll kind of get into that in a moment here. But uh, like I said, we're covering 1997's Lost Highway. And uh, let me give you a little piece of the trailer. Is that you? Are both of them you? We have to get out of here. Why didn't you tell me anything? It's been a pleasure talking to you. Films invites you to take a trip on David Lynch's <laughs> Lost Highway. Oof. Uh, very 90s. Very 90s movie. Very 90s trailer. Um, Chad, what about this movie made it so that you wanted to talk about it on Movie Homework? Well, pretty similar to you. This was definitely one of the lesser seen uh, Lynch movies. I, I revisited it a few years ago when we did the uh, the Twin Peaks uh, retrospective and everything that we did. Uh, I, I think that was probably the second time I had seen it. And yeah, I watched it a couple times leading up to this. So I thought, yeah, that would just be a good one to talk about. So why the yeah. fuck not? Who else is going to talk about Lynch on this network except us? So, you know, someone's got to do it. <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, I, I feel like we kind of want to set the table a little bit. We talked in that Twin Peaks podcast quite a bit about Peaks, about Lynch, and what we like about him. I've said it a lot over the last couple of years on different shows that the older I get, the more I'm enjoying David Lynch movies. Um, I don't know exactly why that is, but rewatching Lost Highway, I found myself far more patient with this movie than I was the first time that I saw it. Um, okay. I think when I first saw it, I was younger. I was looking for clean answers. I was looking for things that a normal movie gives you. And this movie, yeah. it's like defiantly trying to not give you those things, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which can turn people off. I get that. But, um, you know, on that note, Chad, do you have any uh, box office information for this movie for us? Yes, yeah, so this was uh, released February 21st of 1997. It uh, don't, it didn't gross much. Uh, not That's not that surprising. <laughs> it was only probably a three-week run in, in and out of theaters. It made $3.8 million. Uh, release a week after this was actually another movie homework uh, we covered, which was uh, P.T. Anderson's Hard Eight. So oh, okay. that's kind of interesting around the same time. But yeah, there's not a lot of box office uh, <laughs> info for uh, this one because yeah, just, it didn't make a lot of money and was kind of uh, critically panned at the time it came out and feel like forgotten about a little bit. And then, yeah, it's definitely seen its resurgence, I think, in the last five or so years. I know the Criterion released it last year and it was in yeah. theaters again. So Not only did they release yeah, it, but they, they actually remastered it in 4K as well, which they don't do for all mm -hmm. their uh, releases. So pretty pretty big deal for Criterion to do that for this. Yeah. You know. I actually um, snagged that this week, so oh, very got, nice. to watch, got to watch it in physical copy. felt so special. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, <laughs> so Lynch co-wrote this movie with a guy named Barry Gifford, and when I was doing a little research on the movie and Lynch, you know, just in preparation for our conversation here, I found some pretty interesting interviews with Lynch. There is actually an entire documentary all about uh, the making of, of Lost Highway. I think it was probably put on the bonus features of one of the DVDs. I think it's called Pretty as a Picture, David Lynch. And I actually watched it last, uh, a couple of years ago. It's part of my year-long movie challenge. And I really liked the documentary. 
and it you know obviously reminded me of some stuff I'd seen in Lost Highway, um, but I for whatever reason it just didn't motivate me to watch it again. Um, I'm kind of glad that that happened though because the distance I think helped me get into this. Getting a little ahead of myself, but in those interviews that I found, I found a clip that I thought was kind of interesting that gives you kind of all you need to know about Lynch, his creative process, and where he's coming from. So, This is going to be a strange interview because I can't remember uh, so many things. Um, all I remember is that uh, Barry and I were talking about doing something, writing something together. And um, I guess one day uh, I had some ideas and he had some ideas and I flew up to Berkeley and uh, we sat down in his office and I told him my ideas and then he told me his ideas and we both hated each other's ideas. So... Uh, we sat there for a little bit and then I said, well, I think I said, I have an idea, a little idea about something or other. And he said, well, I kind of like that. And one thing led to another. And uh, there was Lost Highway. So, basically, Lynch goes into a room with his co-writer, talks to him for a while, has a couple ideas, and this is the movie that comes out of it. Uh, I don't know what else to tell you. So, um, before we get too deep into the conversation, though, we did get a voicemail. It's our first voicemail on Movie Homework, and I'm thinking now might be a good time to uh, play it to set the table. Uh, I have not listened to this or pre-screened it, so I have no idea what this person's going to say, but let's give this a shot. And Chad, if you don't hear this after two seconds, let me know and I'll fix that. What up, Binge Media Movie Homework? It's your boy, The Duke, and I'm calling in on this brand new show, because what would a binge show be without a little bit of Duke sprinkled in? Uh, I just want to say I'm glad Movie Homework's back. Uh, I like having appointment viewing. Uh, it's been fun. Uh, love, the, love the homework. I love the freestyle of it a little bit. Um, but uh, a big fuck you guys for putting two movies back to back that um, were a little tough to follow. It's kind of like Chad that I got a little lost in Get Carter. Uh, in the end, I enjoyed it, but I think I do have to go back and watch it again. Um, man, Michael Caine is a real piece of shit in that movie. Uh, then I watched Lost Highway. Uh, this is my first dive into David Lynch. Uh, so I knew I was in for a treat. And uh, that la first act was really tough for me. I'm going I'm to try and keep it brief because obviously you guys are going to talk. Um, but that first act was really tough for me, like, what's going on? And uh, so I had to do a little reading to kind of get the gist of what this movie was. Uh, and then I really feel like when it shifts, it, it becomes a whole other thing when you're the other character. And the tone is different for me. Um, in the end, uh, I actually really liked it. And I think I'm going to do the other big ones, Blue Velvet and Mulholland Drive. Um and so, yeah, I'm enjoying this movie homework. I can't wait to see what you guys got next. Oh, I do want to mention, uh, I'm totally blanking on his name, but, like, the mob guy with the cars. Uh, I just, I love when he shows up in something. I don't know what it is. I just really like him. And he kind of plays a sinister asshole really well. Um, so, I uh, enjoyed them. Thank you, guys. Suck a baba dick. All right. Thanks, Duke. Um, yeah, he's not wrong. Two tough movies back to back, but uh, sometimes them's the break. So fucking deal with it, pal. Um, you know, okay. he, he didn't listen to Blue Velvet, which we covered in movie homework back in the day. So I thought he, he liked the appointment viewing. Chad, you got to be consistent here, dude. Come on. I man. thought he was a fucking fan, you know. But I know. Oh well. Guy. All right. There, there's a <laughs> lot. There's just a lot to get into with this movie. Um, Chad, what? do you think this movie is about? 
So I'm. I feel like this is actually. Pre- I'm not going to say it's easy to understand, but uh, like you, I think after after the first viewing of this, I was uh, I was pretty lost. I, I mean, this is when I was you know I saw it when I was younger, and yeah, yeah I was like, what is, what is that movie? Like, what what the hell's going on right now? Like, because that was really before I was familiar with David Lynch even. And then you know after the rewatch with Twin Peaks, I, I saw an interview with Lynch kind of summarizing about the his uh, obsession with OJ at the time and yeah. uh that the psycho this psychology term psychogenic few or whatever it's called to where the mind tricks itself into uh escaping certain horrors so for to me at least this movie is obviously you know Fred Madison Bill Pullman is upset and unhappy with his marriage he can't really please her he's fucking insecure about everything and he fucking kills her i think that's pretty pretty cut and dry and then you know we get the uh he goes to jail he goes to prison he's he turns into the second character essentially creating this in his mind and this is like his fantasy he's living out in the second half and then you know we get the uh we get the whole uh same patricia arquette same character renee and alice but it's the same person and yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like this is kind. Of, I, I don't think it's as elaborate as maybe others do. Okay. I don't know. Maybe it's because of that that interview with Lynch I saw. It just kind of summed it up for me really easily. And so uh, these watches this week, I was like, okay, yeah, this is pretty. It's I'm not gonna say it's easy to understand because obviously it's Lynch and he's you know got a lot of a lot of crazy shit in his movies. But yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I stand with this. All right, um, all right. So, yeah. I, I, I think that's there. I think that's 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 definitely a way to take this movie. Um, and I think that you then get into a place of being able to just chalk up things to dream logic, right? And you could just say, okay, well, mm-hmm. it's just whatever happens happens, and you know, I don't really need to explain too much there because I'm just accepting that this guy is inside of his own head on some level. Mm-hmm. The thing for me that breaks that a bit is the idea that you have characters in the essentially the story of Fred and then the story of uh is it Peter? Is that is that his name? Pete, right? Yeah, Pete. Mm-hmm. You have characters in both of their stories that eventually come together in a scene later in the movie, which suggests that they're all there is no dream. Everything is in some kind of reality. So if that's the case, then I think the movie has a whole other layer to it that you kind of have to consider. And, and I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I spent a lot of time the past week and a half uh, looking up theories and doing a little bit of reading and checking out some some video essays on YouTube. Um And I found one in particular that not unlike the guy that did the breakdown of Twin Peaks when we did our show way back when, um, somebody pinned down that the central theme of Lost Highway is it is once again David Lynch on a sort of subconscious level displaying his dissatisfaction with the idea that other filmmakers are trying to rip off what he does. And in his eyes failing at it and him not him essentially getting away from the stigma of what people think he is versus what he actually is. Mm-hmm. That sounds complicated, <laughs> but <laughs> there are a lot of little details in the movie that are interesting. Now, now we know from all of Lynch's movies, he deals with surrealism like nobody else. Mm-hmm. There are sequences in the flick where you have Fred essentially walk down a hallway that seems like it's off to the side in in his house, right? There's one sequence where he literally walks into a hallway, it's all pitch black, and then he ends up in front of a mirror. This guy was surmising that the mystery man in the movie, Robert Blake's character, represents a film crew and and possibly like filmmakers. And Mm -hmm. his filming of Fred throughout the the movie is him trying to say hey you're a character on a stage right now i need to get you out of this you you don't understand like i'm not here to hurt you but i need you to understand that I, you need to snap out of this spell that you're in and 
the rules of the the reality that you live in are actually the rules of a made up story, and thereby they they they're not reality. Like you you can't die or you can't kill somebody here. People can come back because they don't actually die; they're just return playing another role. This guy's theory is extensive. Um, if you like, anybody who wants to text me, I can send it to you on the side. Um, it was fascinating, but it gave me a, a whole other way to look at this movie that, for me, kind of made the puzzle pieces snap together nicely. Um, so I, I kind of like that there's enough to to go the super surrealist route and also, uh, you know, sort of the, the I, I would say, simpler, just psychological fantasy route with the story. Whereas I think before I, I never even saw those details, you know, it's interesting. Um, yeah. It's, it's I mean, this is, cool. this is a hundred percent. Like this is absolutely one of those movies. Like 10 people will watch it and they'll give you 10 different interpretations of what they think it means. Right. I mean, it's yeah. Yeah. It's, I feel like, <laughs> I mean, it's a lot of Lynch's work, but I feel like this one too, uh, specifically just because there's not a clear, uh, necessarily narrative or, uh, story that you can yeah the general like this movie is a movie that's never fucking getting made now right it's it's just like yeah. it's, these don't exist anymore he's like oh we need to wrap this up so nicely for our audience they need to be hand uh, spoon fed everything that they uh yeah. what, what nice and wrap it up with a bow everything yeah, it's i mean truly one of those like miracles of a movie that a studio ever gave him money to make this it, it's mm-hmm. just it's wild um but and this is yeah. coming coming off of Twin P off Firewalk with me too, right? Which is five right. years before, which was also completely panned, and so he was right. kind of picking himself back up, and then follows it up with Mulholland, which is probably his, I would say, his biggest or most popular movie, right? It's known for yeah. all the Oscars, and yeah, that's so. that's the one that's on uh, all all the best of lists, um, mm-hmm. which is another one that I I need to rewatch at some point because I remember like you know i remember the the bullet points and a couple scenes in particular if you know what i mean but uh sure. the yeah the the whole experience I, I feel like i need to to do that one again but we're talking lost highway so um wanted to bring up some of the details here so yes the the, the plot of the movie is difficult and you kind of have to you're going to get as much out of it as you put into it with a lynch movie I think you and I are pretty well equipped for that but it's it's fair to to warn people before they watch a movie like this that if you're going to sit down and give it a shot you gotta you gotta give it a shot like you can't you can't go into it and be like okay at the end of this i'm gonna know exactly what happened and the hero's gonna get the girl and all that stuff it's just it's not that it's never that um but a couple standout uh elements to the movie chad what what are the things that on these rewatches really stood out to you as the things that you will either recommend this movie to somebody based off of or be sure to never mention it in front of certain people because of those things uh i mean his lynch just has a way of making just like the most ordinary things scary which is what i love about him so much and uh, robert blake in this movie is just another level of creep (laughs) okay there's just his face and of course there's the stuff uh, he was actually accused of like murdering his wife a few oh, years after so this right so fucking weird <laughs> so weird it is it's fucking really wild um but uh, like yeah j- really just the that i mean that was such a big part of twin peaks you know bob and just he re- he reminds me very uh much of the the character in uh fucking god damn it the, uh, why can't i even think of the the Black Lodge, Jesus Christ. Twin oh, Peaks. Uh, Twin Peaks. Uh, yeah, yeah, Twin Peaks uh, on the Black Lodge. Uh, th- his the soundtrack for this movie it's fucking. I really like it. Uh, obviously, mm. Trent Reznor and Angelo Badalamenti, who's of course worked with Lynch his whole career. Yeah. Uh, outside of the Ramstein, not a big Ramstein guy. Sorry, I feel like I actually I, I I love that Ramstein song, especially in this. Yeah, I feel like I I feel like. Cup is like the biggest Ramstein fan, right? I don't know. I don't know. Something. <laughs> I spins that on, on, you know, alternating between uh, his Trent Reznor's Ramstein and his ICP. So, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, so, th- we'll get into this a little bit later, but the first, the first third of this movie, I think, is the best part of this movie. Uh, right. I, I love that, that first act. I think it's fantastic. I have some issues with Balthazar Getty in okay. that... 
he he takes me out of it of the second act, and that kind of stood uh, with these these rewatches. Mm-hmm. And so we can get into that a little bit in our, with our uh, superlatives, but yeah, I that, the first third of this movie I think is just almost flawless. I I, I mean I just think it's fantastic, like just the, the use of the music, the Bill Pullman's great, uh, really all of it. I th- but Loja is definitely the the standout of the third act for me. That guy yeah. I think steals the movie in general. <laughs> but yeah. uh yep. Absolutely. yeah, we'll get into that too. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm kinda with you there. I, I like Pullman, I like uh Arquette. I think she's she's pretty good in this. Um I I, I don't I don't love her in this, but she's fine. I I like her a lot more yeah. in, in say like true romance or I you know, I definitely. not that it, everybody on this site was a huge fan of it, but I really liked her in boyhood. I thought that she was very good in that. Um, yep. here's a very different speed, obviously different kind of role. Um, but I, I think she plays it well enough. Um, I, I really like the side characters a lot. I mean, he, you know, you mentioned Robert Blake, another guy that's in this movie, Michael Massey. So Michael Massey, you would probably know best as the guy he's, so he, he's in a bunch of Fincher movies. He's in seven. Um, he's the dude with the pencil thin mustache in this movie, and he looks just like Billy Drago, who played uh, Frank Nitti in The Untouchables. Um, <laughs> but that dude was the owner of the brothel in Seven, where the dude kills the hooker. If you remember that sequence, oh, yeah. And he interviews him, and he's mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, do, do you like what you see? And he's like, no, but that's just the way life is, or something. Um, always, always stuck with me that guy. He just has one of those faces, you know. Um, Mink Stoll has a little role in this movie. I, I don't know how familiar you are with her, but she was in like all of John Waters' movies. Um, another guy who was in Fight Club, the scene where Edward Norton goes, he's he's flying around the country to find Tyler Durden, and he goes to a bar where a guy is in like a he's he's in like a neck restraint because he's clearly been injured. <laughs> um, that dude is one of the prison guards with Henry Rollins in this. Um, oh, that's an- right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Another one of the prison guards is Ma- Monty, the dude's landlord in The Big Lebowski, the one who uh, performs on stage and does the, the interpretive dance. Um, so this whole movie is just like littered with, with with faces, you know, just people you know all over the place. Um, it, it definitely places the movie within the, the mid-90s for certain, but it's also really cool to watch this and, and really recognize you know, obviously the A-listers and some of the B-listers, but a lot of the C-listers too. Um, there's something fun about that. And, you know, I think sometimes uh, Lynch movies tend to have a certain um, stigma to them. Um, I don't know that they necessarily have casts where you're going to recognize everybody outside of a couple of his regulars, like, you know, Jack Nance or whatever. But, I mean, yep. this this movie is, is the final screen performance of Richard Pryor, what the fuck? <laughs> like, <laughs> how did that happen? You know? Um, yeah. This is, there, this is Giovanni Ribisi's first, uh, like feature film credit too. Uh, that's believe. crazy. Absolutely. And then you crazy. get Gary Busey makes a little, little cameo. Too. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So th- this movie's just like a weird cross section of, of, you know, kind of interesting actors, really interesting director. And, and yeah, it's, it's just a unique movie. I mean, Criterion as a uh, you know as like a, a, a release emporium, they're very good at choosing stuff that has cultural importance. I'm not saying that every one of their titles is great, but they've been pretty good at that over the years. And out of a lot of Lynch's movies, I, I kind of I, I think I see it with this one. You know, there, there's a lot culturally here that I think is is significant to what was going on in Hollywood in the '90s. Um, I think that that adds a little something to. Uh, the pot here you know um while we're talking about performances in the movie um you mentioned robert blake i just wanted to play a little bit of his uh maybe probably his most famous scene in the movie um so just to give a little background fred bill pullman is at a party of uh michael massey's i can't remember his character name now in the movie uh, andy Andy. it's andy's party with uh renee and this is in the first third, and he you know, goes to get a drink, and all of a sudden he sees this guy who he's just got you know the soy sauce hair, no eyebrows, pale face, and he never blinks. And he's kind of like chumming it up with people at the party. 
locks eyes with Fred, walks across the room, and he has a conversation with him. The whole scene is very unsettling, very creepy. Um, I'd love to play the whole thing, but it's a little too long, so I just I took a piece of it. So here you go. Where was it you think we met? At your house, don't you remember? No, no, I don't. Are you sure? Of course. As a matter of fact, I'm there right now. That's... I, I don't... <laughs> so, this is exactly what you're talking about. Lynch makes simple, mundane shit seem scary on such a visceral level that I can't describe it to other people. You just kind of have to experience it, you know? Yeah, yeah um, I mean, like, even, even like the scene like the sh he uses shadows so well it, mm -hmm. like the the specific scene that they're making love the, the the first third and like the way that patricia arquette's hand comes out of the shadow and like pats him on the back and like yeah. even shit like that like that just really stands out it's like dude this guy's just <laughs> working on another level That's it's crazy I, another one of the things that lynch talks about and i bet you we talked about this on the twin peaks show but i'll bring it up again He's such a student of transcendental meditation that he has actually done talks just on that. No, nothing to do with his filmmaking. And he talks about how doing transcendental meditation gets him to a place that's very, very deep within himself and, and completely unconscious where he can sort of explore his own mind and, and sit in this like kind of ether space and let ideas come to him. I don't... I don't know where else this stuff could come from. You know, I mean, this is... Lynch was a Boy Scout. He was a, an Eagle Scout. <laughs> um, he went to an art university in Boston. I mean, he's just such a weird combination of things. He reminds me a lot of David Byrne in some ways, where they, they're clearly genius, and they're clearly operating on a level that really nobody else is. But you've got to kind of meet them at their own game in order to appreciate what they're doing. Um, otherwise you're just never going to, you're never going to get it, you know? Um, nope. which I think is, is pretty, uh, makes them both really unique and interesting. But, um, so you mentioned Balthazar Getty. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on, on Getty. <laughs> I, man, it could have been anybody else. It really could have. I, there's a reason yeah. why I don't know this guy from anything. Um, that's, that's pretty clear. He is the, the weak link of the movie for me. If there's, if there's anything that, man, it just needed to be fixed. It was him. And you had a lot of good options mm -hmm. in 1997. Um, a lot of good options. Um, he was not yep. one of them. Other He's than the that, Lord of the Flies kid, dude. He's Ralph. Come on. Oh my, oh my <laughs> God. Oh my God. Other than that though, I don't have a lot bad to say about this movie. I, I think this is the kind of flick that the more you give it over the years and the more you can get into it, the better of a film it becomes. It's the exact antithesis of anything else you're going to go and see in the theater right now. Um, yes, the, the conversation always turns to, though they don't make movies like this anymore. I, it's not just that they don't make movies like this anymore. They really didn't make movies like this ever. Like, this yep. is... This is a truly its own thing, and and it's I think Lynch kind of is proud of that, and he loves the fact that you know he puts these ideas out here. He doesn't give anybody any answers because he feels that it, they were kind of emotional things that hit him, and and I think that he doesn't even necessarily understand them fully. You know, I, I think he just kind of takes these ideas. And he runs with them, and he gets them out on film, and it's for the rest of us to decide, you know? Nope. Um, it, it, the only other thing I'll say, because it came out recently, was some people uh, on the internet, when a film called Skinamarink came out a few weeks back, uh, were insisting that this was a David Lynch-level masterpiece. <laughs> Here's the difference between Skinamarink and this movie. Uh, well, first of all, I mean, we, we have, you know, scenes that are shot with people in them and you can actually see them and hear them talk. So that's, that's a big improvement. <laughs> but, um, but the, the other thing is that while this movie is full of metaphor and, uh, you know, sort of subjective 
thoughts and subliminal messaging. Um, there are ideas at play here. There is stuff for you to sink your teeth into and sort of figure out how the pieces connect. Uh, Skinamarink is a putrid piece of shit that should never, ever <laughs> have been made. Uh, so I would just like to give that a nice drive-by. I, I still haven't seen Skinamarink, so uh, I'm going to need to I check mean, that out. You, have you ever in your life been in a doctor's office and kind of just been waiting for like 40 minutes and throwing your head up and look at the <laughs> ceiling? You've seen Skin of a Rink. So. <laughs> Noted. Right. Noted. Right. All right. Any other thoughts, anything else that stood out to you that you wanted to mention before we start getting into our superlatives? I don't think so. No, I think we'll, we'll cover the rest of everything. Uh, yeah, going through these. So I think, think we're right. good. All right, nice. So I'm going to let you kick this one off, and we're going to start with the uh, with the Cupka. That's that dude. Which is the Scene Stealer Award. So who do you have for this? All right. So we we do Scene Stealer or Cameo, uh, yeah. right? Yeah, well, absolutely. We, 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 get, we get to pick and choose a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I already said though, steals the movie. Robert Loja. So many quotable lines, which we can get into with the quotes, but. Uh, for me, the that's that dude, the cameo, is my boy Jack Nance, Mr. Pete Martell from Twin mm. Peaks. Always showing up in Lynch. This is his, actually his last movie. Uh, he's just this that fucking awkward mechanic who <laughs> shows up and says, Why'd you turn that off? I like yeah. that. It's yeah. so random. Uh, but yeah, that he, he's mine. I, I fucking love that guy. Uh, everything Thanks. he's done with Lynch, I'm a fan of. So uh, that's where I'm at. What about you? Yeah, he's great. Um, I Look, I said it before. I, we talked about Robert Blake. He is a scene stealer in this movie. He's probably the most memorable thing from this movie. Um, he was the thing that I saw before I knew what this movie was. Put it that way, like his face. So mm -hmm. it's, it's incredibly memorable. I think this movie is, is actually considered a horror movie just for his performance. Um, no. So he's, he's a scene stealer. I have to say, if there's a single scene stealer in the movie, I know I mentioned him before, it's got to be Richard Pryor, because, <laughs> yeah. like, I didn't, I had no idea he was going to be in this, and there's no reason for him to be in it, and he's just, he literally steals the scene, like, yeah. he's like, you know, hey, he's going to be so happy for you to be here, and I was like, what the fuck, and then he's gone, he's just gone, um, but, well, he's the, yeah, well, the, the the great the other scene that he's in, he's just talking on the phone. He's like, "I got nine nine guys right. here, and if you get an answer from seven of them, I'll let you speak to the other two, or one of yeah. the seven. I'll let you speak. It's like so random, and yeah, good good old drop in cameo scene prior. It's just wild, just a wild scene in the middle of this movie. But <laughs> um, but I have to echo what you said, and I can't not give it to Robert Loja. I even picked a, uh, a clip from him, so I'll, I'll give you that. Don't you! Fucking tailgate! Tell him you won't tailgate. I won't ever Do you know how many fucking car lengths it takes to stop a car at 35 miles an hour? Six fucking car lengths! That's 106 fucking feet, mister! If I had to stop trembling, you would have hit me! I want you to get a fucking driver's manual. I want you to study that motherfucker. And I want you to obey the goddamn rules. 50 fucking thousand people were killed on the highway last year because of fucking assholes like you. Tell me you're going to get a manual. I mean, I don't... <laughs> this is the craziest fucking thing. It's so funny. That, that scene comes out of absolutely nowhere in the movie. And Robert Loja goes from zero to a thousand in seconds. Um, it's cheesy. Okay, another thing that this reminds me of that I, I forgot to mention. One thing with Lynch movies is that all the emotions are always really heightened. So if somebody's angry, they are the most angry you have ever seen them. If yeah. somebody's happy, they are jubilant. They, they are... They're rapturous. Like, you cannot possibly imagine the amount of joy that this person has in that moment. Um, this scene is, like, a perfect example of, of that kind of swing that he uh, he goes for. So, you know, good on him. But All right. The uh, next award is the uh, the Jack Valley Award. Well, fucking on, what the it, fuck? And that is for the most punchable face. Um it's an easy answer, but it's Balthazar Getty. Um, 
whether he's got the the you know punched in face or not, I just I I want to put my fist through through that you know mm-hmm. just just hit him in the jaw and just just knock him out, just get him out of this movie. Um, <laughs> I need him gone. I really really didn't like him. Um, I, I know that the plot gets simpler in that sequence, but man man he just he's just not he's not good at movies. He's just not good at movies. So yeah, <laughs> Baltazar Getty. Uh, can you just like cut what you just said and then just replay it? Because my, my my same same thing for me. He's the he's the most punchable face for sure. Old Balthazar. Yeah, I don't I don't even have anything to add. Same. <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right, moving on. Next award is the uh, the PJ Dynamite Drop In, Monty. And this is the casting swap. Uh, so if you were gonna cast anybody in this movie, who would it be? Chad. Uh, I would I would replace Mister Balthazar Getty. Oh, what a, with what a Ethan, shock. with Ethan Hawke, I feel God. like Ethan Hawke in a Lynch movie. We've never seen it. I think mm. he, he was right around that age at this time. I feel like uh, he's got you know skinny frame. I mean, I don't. He, Balthazar and Bill Pullman don't really look alike at all. So I don't think he necessarily has to look like Pullman. But right, yeah. I, I, for some reason, Ethan Hawke was just standing out to me. I'm like, he would be so much better in this movie. But like you said, anybody else in that role, I feel like could have uh, could have pulled it off. Yeah. So, uh, who's your man, pick? That's that is a great choice. Um, man, that's a great choice. I I might like that better than mine, but I think mine could work too. Um, so yeah, I'm also replacing Balthazar Getty because it's the it's the one thing. Like, I, I don't know if maybe Chad D felt this way or or anybody else who's listening. I would I would love to hear your take on whether or not Balthazar Getty took you out of the movie. But it's the one thing in here that, as ridiculous as some of the other shit is it's just difficult to watch this guy in like nine sex scenes in a movie. You know, it just, he keeps getting more and more douchey. Um, so with that being said, I actually went the route of somebody similar age who has a couple of great movies in this, in this frame of time. Um, and I went Edward Norton. Um, Oh, I think it's just as interesting of a choice, different kind of energy. But, you know, we've seen him with the shit beaten out of him from Fight Club. Uh, yep. I don't know. I, I feel like he would be, he'd be interesting. He'd be interesting. He certainly brings something else than, uh, than what Getty is not bringing here. So, um, Great pick. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You definitely right. see it. For the Ammon Award. Tell me something about something I was reading about. And this is the best quote of the movie. <laughs> um, there are there are some good ones, but the one that made me laugh the hardest was <laughs> during one of one of uh, Pete's sex scenes. There are two detectives <laughs> in the car, yeah, and he, he, he literally says, "He's like, <laughs> fucker gets more pussy than a toilet seat." <laughs> it's such a, a vile, disgusting, and hilarious line. But yeah, I I, I love it. I love that line. I, I got to use that somewhere. I just don't know where yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. I had that written down as well. But uh, no, my, mine is, uh, yeah, Loja has a lot of good ones. What is it? Smooth as shit from a duck's ass. Which is, <laughs> what, does that, what does that even mean? You like pornos? Give you a boner? <laughs> That's great. So and, yourself, uh, but my, my, yeah. my favorite quote, though, is the, uh, the Fred Madison quote. I like to remember things in my own way, how I remember them, not necessarily the way they happen. I think that kind of sums up the movie pretty well as well. So, good. yeah, I think that's my, my favorite quote of the movie. Nice. All right, next award for you, Chad. We've got the TM. I mean, wow. This is what holds up the best or the worst. And let's just, even if you already yeah. have it as an answer, let's just say, yes, we know the ball is our Getty doesn't hold up. Okay, we, we've yeah. said our piece. What else do you have? Yep. I wrote him down too many times. He's not on my list. Uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. fucking hate this fucker, and his name is Marilyn Manson. Uh mm. Okay, the sight of that guy makes me cringe. I think he's super too douchey. Uh, he's only in the fucking little snuff film porno also, but fuck that guy, and uh, he doesn't hold up. So that's where I went with this. Other than that, yeah, I, I, I don't have really anything that doesn't necessarily hold up for me. What about I you? I think it's it's him and Twiggy in that, uh, what is it, what is it, the snuff film or whatever it is? I'm pretty sure it's Yeah, right. Them, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it wasn't so much what what doesn't hold up, but what does. Um, I think, and and I think the fact that this has been you know re released, it had a theatrical run and all that stuff. I, I think that the 
the, the cult nature of the movie and, and sort of the more odd elements of it are the things that have held up the best here and allowed it to have legs, you know, what are we, 20, 30 years after the fact? Um, somehow this is a movie that, that people still are talking about. It's still in the, the consciousness. Um, and I think that that all comes from the direction. I, I think Lynch's direction holds up in a way that a lot of filmmakers' direction doesn't. Um, you know, that we, we see a lot of directors and writers try to make movies that have this sort of, you know, this like esoteric, surrealist, you know, a, a what do you think happened in the movie kind of vibe. And I think a lot of them turn people off because they don't make an entertaining movie to watch first. They just have an idea and they kind of force you to endure that idea in their movie without really thinking about, oh, that's right, this is still a movie. Like, there need to be elements that have people talking that maybe make them laugh, that scare them a little bit, that do something. You have to do something. Um, and I think Lynch, as a director, has aged, the, is the thing that's aged the best from this movie. Um, I think he, he's just proven his worth. And I know I'm kind of gushing about the guy, but I, I just, I kind of came away warranted. feeling that way, you know? Yeah. It's warranted. I, I totally agree. But yeah. All right. So we've got, uh, next we've got the Chad C. I know this is a hot take. Which is the most entertaining scene in the movie. Um, <laughs> I, for me, it's it's got to be the tailgating scene. I, I just, I've never, you know, I forgot about this scene. So rewatching it, I, I, this popping up again. Um, and, and, you know, another one of those faces, right? The guy that they pull over is one of the, like, C-list characters in Showgirls. I have seen that guy's face a million fucking times watching Showgirls <laughs> with a hilarious commentary, and it's so funny to see him get the shit kicked out of him in this. Uh, it's just great. That scene is is money. You could just go on YouTube, watch that scene, and have a great time. Yeah, we, the, his fucking, like, squealing is hilarious. <laughs> in that, he, the, the, that Throughout the clip he played, <laughs> like, the whole fucking time. Oh, uh, it's, yeah, it's fantastic. It's um... My most entertaining was you played the clip. It's that that introduction to Mystery Man, and he, mm. he runs into Fred, and he's talking to him, telling him, you know, you invited me in, and he's like, "That's fucking crazy, man." <laughs> I love, I love yeah. that line delivery with Pullman. Uh, so I think that that scene is just great, and he picks up the phone, and yeah, I think that's that's my favorite. The only other one that I feel should be an honorable mention is like the last fifteen minutes of the movie, too. Um, just the visual of that cabin like reassembling itself from an explosion and then all of the weird shit with the mystery man, them eventually going to find Mr. Eddie slash Dick Laurent and killing him. And then the whole time loop aspect, like the Mobius strip version of whatever the fuck this story is happening. I, I really like all that stuff. Um, but we're talking single scenes here. So, uh, <laughs> It's gotta be. It's gotta be the tailgate scene. All right. Uh, last award is the Pete MC, and that is for the best use of music. Um, a lot of nice needle drops in this movie, but uh, I'm I'm just gonna say it. Uh, when Fred comes back and he's beating the fuck out of Mister Eddie and throwing him in the trunk, uh, Mystery Man's kind of looking through the window. They're playing that. Ramstein song. It just fucking worked for me, man. I don't know. I just I I love that song and that scene, and it just. I don't know, struck a chord. So that that's the one. Yeah, no, I I agree. It works in that scene. I'm just not a big fan of that band or that sure. in general. But yeah, um, for me, the uh, Smashing Pumpkins song "I" is played in the the little the club scene yeah. uh, at yeah. one point. Um, pretty big Smashing Pumpkins fan. I really like that song. So that's yeah, that's one that stands out for me. So that is my nice. pick. Very nice. All right, and finally the uh, you know the the bonus uh, extra credit award here. If you were going to swap anybody in this movie for a binge staffer, who would it be? Uh, Chad, did you have a pick for this? I, I didn't. I, I, I thought and thought and thought, man. I, I, do you have something better? Because I was just trying, and I was just pulling for straw. I don't want to reuse the same like things each week. So this one might be like sparingly. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> did you have one? <laughs> I did have one. Uh, maybe it's a little okay. controversial, but... Once okay. it once it got in my head, I just it made me laugh, and really, that's all that matters. So, 
Um, so I actually am going to cast myself in the movie, believe it or not. Wow. And okay. I'm going to put myself in the role <laughs> of the guy who gets the shit beaten out of him during the tailgate scene. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just, you know, it would be an honor to uh, get the shit beaten out of me by Robert Loja on screen. And I don't know, I, I feel that I can provide the necessary squeals and maybe even be a little bit more pathetic than that guy. So uh, if I have a place <laughs> in this film, it's probably there. Okay, all right. Wouldn't have picked that, but uh, all right. I don't I think many it. would have. I, I don't think many would have. I can get behind <laughs> it. Oh, man. Uh, all right. Any final thoughts on the movie before we uh, before we wrap this thing up? Give it a grade and uh, tease what we're doing for uh, next episode here. I don't think so. I can probably just sum it all up with with final uh, final letter grades and uh, yeah. All right. all right. Well, I'll, uh, I'll I'll kick that off then. Um, yeah. Again, I don't know why these movies just age really well for me. Um, I can think of a lot of other filmmakers whose stuff I love that I just don't revisit their movies or get much out of them. And I'm not even I'm not even telling you that I have a clear idea of what the the linear story is, but I think it's it's more that sort of like emotional wave that you get from Lynch's stuff that takes you on a in a lot of different directions. You know, at once the movie's hilarious cuz of that tailgate scene and then in another moment Robert Blake is the, the eeriest motherfucker you could imagine made even scarier for the fact that his real life entanglements with the murder of his wife. Um, there's so much in this movie that I feel like it's, you can tell that it's artificial, but it feels very real at times. It feels very sinister. I really like that. Um, and I, I, I like maybe the meta nature of what Lynch is doing in his work. Um, I, I think it works really well in this. Final grade from me, I'm actually going to give this movie an A-. minus. I think it's very strong. I think it has a lot to offer if you're willing to meet it on its terms. And I really enjoy it. i I, I got to recommend it to people if, uh, if you're open to the idea of a movie that doesn't lay everything out for you by the end. So, Chad, what do you think? Okay, so I think... I honestly, going into this, this was my least favorite Lynch movie. I mean, outside of Dune, which I, I almost don't even count that as a Lynch movie because it mm. was completely taken from by the studio and everything. But yeah, I think going in, and I still, so full disclosure, Inland Empire is still the only David Lynch movie I've still never seen. And I, after okay. rewatching this, I will, I know he's got like his kind of pseudo LA trilogy with Mulholland and that. So Inland Empire will be watched by the end of the month. I can guarantee you that just because I'm in, I'm in that mode now. I, you know, yeah. Twin Peaks did the same thing. Like, all right, I got to start revisiting more of these. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, after the, after the rewatches this week, th- this is definitely not my least favorite Lynch movie anymore. Uh, I, I, I really, really, yeah, like you said, if you're on its wavelength, I think you will get a lot out of this movie. It's just, it's just a lot of people don't make me feel like it's watching movie like Lynch can, can do. And so I think, yeah, I think for, for me, this is going to be a B plus with, uh, with a caveat that I think this will be an A eventually, uh, just because I I will revisit this. And like I just said, I got the fucking physical copy now. I got it. So I can fucking throw it in whenever. And yeah, I, 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 this is good, really good movie homework because of that. Like, I, I just, I, and that was another reason I wanted to do this too, is because I, I do remember this being my least favorite of his movies. But yeah, yeah, I could do without the Balthazar, but sure, I, he doesn't, he doesn't take me out of the movie enough to like say this movie is a bad movie. But I definitely think that uh, portion of the movie is the weakest part of it. So, but yeah, B plus for me. And yeah, that's where I stand. I'm going to send you a link to that YouTube video that I watched because part of that guy's theory on what the movie is, the fact that it's Balthazar Getty sort of factors into Lynch's ultimate point of the film with the idea being that he's essentially what like the studio's version of the protagonist for the movie would be. So, you know, uh, okay. he's in a ton of sex scenes, right? He he has a motorcycle. He looks really cool. He's a mechanic. He he seems to have things figured out more than Fred does. And that Lynch uses him as a foil because he represents more of what maybe a mainstream audience would be interested in. 
which is it's kind of an interesting thought. Still could have been a better actor, though, in my opinion. But sure. Sure. what can you do? But, right, but I mean, well, I mean, James and fucking Twin Peaks. You know, Lynch. The there's not always amazing act. Yeah, there's not always amazing actors in Lynch's movies, but they're still good movies. So yeah, I'm not gonna fault it. The the ironic thing is, if he had just cast James in this, I would have liked it more just from the nostalgia. You know, <laughs> same, same, absolutely. What, I was thinking about you, that too. What can you do? So. <laughs> All right. Um, well, pretty good conversation here. Uh, anybody who didn't check the movie out and listen to us, uh, you know, I don't think that we really spoiled much. There's, I don't know how you could spoil the movie. It's, no, it's, you can't. You have to just kind of sit with it and, and, you know, like like wrangle wrangle down your own uh, interpretation of what it is. So, um, so yeah, Lost Highway, pretty pretty good time. All right, man. Um, so we had a conversation pre-show as we uh, as we always do now uh, about what our next film is going to be. And we've covered a few different things, uh, you know, Whiplash, Big Trouble, Little China, Get Carter, this week's film, Lost Highway. Um, so we have a running list, and we've received some suggestions from a few of you, so thank you for those. They are in the pipeline, and I think we'll get to them eventually. Um, but, Chad, why don't, you, uh, why don't you tell us what our next film's going to be? So, I know this is one of your personal favorites, because just talking to you throughout the years, we decided to go with 1949's Orson Welles classic, The Third Man. Mm-hmm. going to be a, I think that'll be a really good combo. I think so. It's been a long time since I've seen it, and it Same. used to be <laughs> a top ten film for me, uh, and, and famously, and I'll save this full story for next time, this was the movie that broke my stigma of old black and white movies. So definitely mm-hmm. has a special nostalgic place in my heart, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know whether or not it holds up. So we'll find out next time. So, all right. Um, other than that, uh, phone number is seven zero eight four zero six nine five four six. You can certainly call there and leave a voicemail, or you can do what Chad D did and send me a direct message and we can play it on the show here. Uh, you can also find us at, uh, binge media on twitter instagram patreon and facebook make sure you're subscribed for the five dollars a month on patreon so you get the full binge our additional commentaries bonus shows and don't forget we've got Lollapalooza coming up august 4th 5th and 6th of 2023 in new jersey with more details to come soon so uh chad you got anything else for us i got nothing man all right man good talking as always and i'm saying peace see you Thank you for listening to Movie Homework, a Binge Media production. Follow the Binge Media Podcast Network at bingemedia.com, patreon.com slash bingemedia, or wherever you get podcasts. Got a movie suggestion? An award suggestion? Send us an email at bingemoviehomework at gmail.com. Binge Media.